0: Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. And we're here to wrap up our Comics Without Capes and Cowls trilogy, I suppose. Our logic was, okay, well, it's Halloween. We obviously don't want to do anything horror related because... <laughs> Why would we? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's in true Trilogy in Theory fashion, my mind went to Costumes. And sure enough, when you think about costumes, I I immediately think of Batman and all the other superheroes that we're aware of. Uh, When it comes to these heroes, comic books, there's so much more that can be done in this medium. And that's where I decided, I was like, hey, let's think about some um, some of the comic books that don't necessarily feature superheroes. And that's where we came up with Road to Perdition, Sin City, and... American Splendor. I can't believe you're forgetting your hero. <laughs>
1: I know. Hero of your youth. There's a strange uh, paternal through line with all three of these that I probably would not have recognized. Uh, other than the fact that we are watching them in combination for this month. The obvious one is Road to Perdition. Uh, American Splendor. That seems to be the sh- the shift. If there's any shift in the Picard persona, it's taking on that uh extra bit of responsibility and uh you know caring for what his partner cares about, which is becoming uh, a parent, becoming a mother. Uh sensity, maybe it's the most problematic in that it's you know men saving women, especially when you're getting into uh Hardigan, Bruce Willis, who saves a young girl, uh, but then finds himself Uh, attracted to her. I believe his quote is when she fills out and (laughs) (laughs) that's right. All right. (laughs) So that's the, you know, appropriately dangerous uh, territory when I'm looking at it from that aspect, but it is usually about some degree of sacrifice. Even in American splendor, it's not a a violent uh, sacrifice. It's not death, but we do feature characters much like superheroes making some sort of uh, sacrifice for the betterment of, of those around them. Uh, and you get Tom Hanks is like, uh, you know, the embodiment of death walking through the door, which is not something you
0: often get with a, with a Tom Hanks joint. No, not at all. And he is almost always playing like a flashy character, um, very anti-superhero like superheroes are very much in your face, very bright. I mean, obviously Batman and stuff, but very they demand attention and his character does not. And that's another one. Yeah, of the Even things. Batman does. I mean, he's he's still got the the ears. That's I mean, true. The
1: Burton version. He's got the yellow shield to draw. I presume, <laughs> I guess the practical thing is to draw all the gunfire to the the bulletproof vest. Uh, it's also really cool looking and would sell a shitload of toys and t-shirts. Oh, certainly. So there's, there's the real reason. <laughs> Where's my road to perdition toy series? Is I, <laughs> I'm sure there have been. I can't imagine they let anything go by in uh, nerd culture. Although with uh. Everything being bought up by some uh, bigger force. I did see that we're getting a little bit off uh, where DC Direct, that toy line has been canceled. Um, yeah. I guess at t is saying shut down that portion of the business now that they've uh, swallowed up a Warner Brothers media.
0: It honestly helps me because it's like <laughs> – it helps you restrain yourself. <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> and I guess this is kind of a preview to uh, our next trilogy, but I did find Enid – action figures uh, from the film Ghost World and from the comic, excuse me, from the comic Ghost World.
1: (laughs) There are tiers of nerddom, (laughs) I guess, now. (laughs) There are levels here. So you came in, I think, very passionate about Road to Perdition. That was, you kind of, going back to our first month where you selected Harvey, uh, that sort of necessitated building out the rest of the trilogy for this month because you, Road to Perdition, you were all about it. Uh, listening back to American Splendor, you were kind of late to the game on that one a little bit, uh, but you, you adored it. And it was weird when we finished up with Sin City, uh, how you had, (laughs) you had taken a turn on it of, uh, hate watching it with a dear friend and then like coming around to it, uh, later. So you've kind of, you, you've got your own arc yourself
0: in this trilogy with your selections for this month. I guess I have different levels of love, I guess, for each of each three of these and how they came about. But with Road to Perdition, I think it was an immediate infatuation and it's only grown since. Uh, And that's one of the things I'd really wanted to discuss with you is that what is it that you want from a comic book adaptation? Because, well, I think often the culture online is very much we need something that's incredibly faithful to the source material and the the prime example is something like Watchmen, where you could go back and look at the book and take a look at uh, the screen and see exact, uh, you know, and Saxon is very good. You see exactly what you would see in the panel on screen. And yet, I'm not sure where you are in Watchmen. There is a legitimate disconnect between the source material and what's happening on screen. Like the spirit of the comic book is missing. Totally. It doesn't match anything, uh, as far as
1: my experience reading it, that's like, we have an example of Sin City where they're doing very, uh, well, I guess they did it first actually. Um, now as, as we talked about in that episode, a little more sparse than what they did yeah. with Watchmen. <laughs> um, but, uh, didn't have the problem there because, you know, for better or for worse, maybe for a lot of people it's, it's for worse. They, they matched the tone almost exactly that sort of overbearing Frank Miller voice. I don't really think they got the particular nuance with Watchmen, and I probably would not go to Zack Snyder for nuance. So God love him. He's on to HBO Max now where he can just have free reign for four, six, eight hours, whatever. And you know what? That'll suit him. That'll suit that sort of vision to just let it play out. Don't try to condense it to two hours. Um, It's an interesting question because I said in the Sin City episode that my brother had emailed me this like – uh, not even a trailer, but like, hey, here's this sort of hype reel, sizzle reel of what they're doing with Sin City, and they were showing the panel and the shot, and I was really enthused. I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I can't say the same for American Splendor or Road to Perdition. I didn't. I was aware of both of them because I was into comics, uh, but I had never bothered to read, collect, purchase any of them. I, I don't mean to 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 make you know, Picar fans like yourself weep, but I've I've not done at the end of that episode when you you read his uh, his sort of take on his movie year, <laughs> I didn't contribute further to the cause by buying American Splinter. I was like, what a great movie! I'm going to buy that on DVD. When it comes <laughs> out. Road to Perdition. I don't know how uh, close it is to it, but I can speak to that. Okay, I'll I'll let you speak to the direct adaptation. Uh, it does feel in a good way. Like well-trodden ground, uh, it, it's nothing like Star Wars except that they're both playing with archetypes, and so Road to Perdition feels like a story that you know it could have come out in in its own time period. You know, it wouldn't have been a period piece then. Uh, you could you could place it in a modern setting uh, if you want. Uh, Ed Norton tried to do that with a Motherless Brooklyn uh, novel, uh, which was set at the time it came out, I think in the '90s or maybe early 2000s. In modern time, and it was about a guy who sort of idolized that that time period of being a PI. And what he did with the film was he just put it back in the time period where that was more—I uh, I don't want to say socially acceptable, but it was just part of the culture. I think *Road to Perdition*. You know, if they did a remake now, you could put it in the '70s, you could put it in the '2000s, and I think the heart of the story would be similar. the 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 dress, uh, the art direction, the guns they're using—no Tommy guns, I assume could change, but I feel like that's one that could travel across many generations. I can't say the same for Sin City. I think coming out of our discussion, that was probably the one I was most hesitant to, because it feels like a young man's game, yeah. not a young web's game. <laughs> that was American Splendor. But, yeah, that's one that I don't know how
0: well that will travel uh, decades further. I would love to see a Road to Perdition in, like, a cyberpunk futuristic setting. I think that's it's Getting perfect. really nerdy. Now. Yeah, I know. I, I think it would be perfect <laughs> for something like that. And what's really fascinating about each of these three films is that you get a taste of what comic books offer. It's not always the same, you know, superhero. As much as I love looking at, like, older comic books where Captain America is punching Hitler in the face, what these modern comic books have allowed us to do is to explore very different stories in a completely different medium. Uh, So Sin City is like this neo-noir genre piece, very, very pulpy. You've got The Road to Perdition that's essentially a character study crossed with like a road trip. And then American Splendor is this biography, ultimately. And then when you look at the movie, it's a, a, a meta biography because it includes not only its topic, but a fictionalized version of the topic. So... That's what I I think this trilogy is all about is giving the viewer an offering of what comic book and comic book films can be.
1: Because they're about the form, really. They're about comics, uh, in a way. Like uh, more explicitly, uh, as far as within the narrative itself, in American Splendor, it's about a guy making comics. Um, uh, Sin City uh, is basically a uh, one long advertisement for Frank Miller's work in that medium. And there was uh, a, an interview on the Daredevil. DVD, uh the Ben Affleck one where they they were basically just uh, it had nothing to do with the movie itself, but it was just talking about here are all the famous guys that worked on Daredevil. Oh yeah. Um and it was it's kinda sad in the context of what happened to Frank Miller after Sin City because uh we talked on the episode, neither one of us watched The Spirit, so his his attempt to to <laughs> to get into movies proper, I guess. Uh but he's had a very up and down career with, with Hollywood. I think he wrote the script for Robocop two. And three I, I believe, I believe that so. They didn't use and in that interview on the Daredevil Special Features, he talked about how when he got into comics, he was trying to make them uh, more cinematic. Uh, and now his goal would be to make movies more comic book-like and make, you know, comics should. And if you go to something like, uh, you know, I think Dark Knight, uh, is it Strikes Again? Is that the sequel? Um, it is. The, around the turn of the century. That is not, I mean, that is clearly not attempting to be cinematic in any way. Um, so it's... Interesting with his career to a point, not getting into his uh, political interests <laughs> at all. Uh, as far as seeing a man wrestle with uh, the form and how it will be translated, so it fits with your chosen theme. Uh, American Splendor, they, they they put that out there where you, you get to see the real guy, the actors they cast, and, and him sort of commenting on that. Uh, this is all one way of saying that uh, – Road to Perdition probably is the most effective for the general population because they can come out of it not knowing it's necessarily about comics. But because of that, it may be the most effective in getting someone to actually try out the medium because there's that surprise like, oh, this – I mean I could just read these type of stories in here. Um, it's not as overbearing in that regard. Another one I thought of was uh, A History of Violence. Yes. Uh, I was just going to mention uh, that is, one too. Yeah, uh, but apparently he he wanted nothing to do with the book. He's like, I'm not going to read it. I want to do my own thing. Just give me the premise, and I'll I'll run with it. So, um, I mean, but what do you think? What which one? If you were showing any of these three films, like to someone that maybe wasn't into comic books, do you find that one would be more effective, or is trilogy in theory just a, a runaway success? As well? <laughs> for, for three for 3 I'm promoting this art form.
0: Well, I mean, despite the films that we choose and why we choose them. The podcast is a runaway success regardless. (laughs) But for this month, uh, the adaptations of each of these are very different. Sin City is pretty much a shot for shot adaptation. American Splendor, while it features a lot of the dialogue, it's almost an out-of-body experience. Uh, while you're re- while you're living through some of the events of this character, you're also living through the character living through the events. So I think that's really fascinating as well. Road to Perdition, as you mentioned, I think this is absolutely correct. It's probably the best entryway into comic books, perhaps uh, because it is the it's your best entry point to uh, trying
1: to introduce someone to comics if you want to steer them away from the idea that it's just capes and cows yes. as you put it even though before some nerd on twitter points it out uh tom hanks maybe kind of has you know he has a, an outfit as far as <laughs> the time period he's no different from anyone else but he definitely when he's walking through that door uh he has a presence uh marv uh sort of the same thing uh the way he's drawn uh, probably not Picard. As much as you... I, I would love to throw you a bone there. Yeah, they they never attempt to make him young Brando in any one scene. That no. was a live actor.
2: <laughs> <anyway>.
0: <laughs> Road to Perdition. Uh, the adaptation is quite different in its... I suppose the way it comes across. The comic book is very pulpy. It's actually closer to Sin City than it is the movie that you see on screen. The movie is very much, okay, let's take these characters, their lives, and make everything much more subtle. There is a lot of gunplay and ass-kickery in the comic book that is not present in the film, and as much as I love to see that in film, I think Mendez did an excellent, excellent job of uh, finding what would work on screen. It, it's a, He takes the book, and he really does mine it in the best possible way because i guess the spirit of the book is there even if the exact scenes are not and some of the exact scenes are there but it's done just perfectly uh, and i do love the comic book i really do but it's a very different experience reading it it does feel more pulpy it does feel more like frank miller that's not exactly i guess what i wanted on screen so if it was a direct adaptation i probably would have been upset not well. Not upset. I, I would have been a little let down, underwhelmed. You would have been upset, young, well, <laughs> certainly <laughs> upset
1: um, with all of that knowledge that you've accrued now. I would pitch it that it's more like that the film version, because I've, I've never read the comics, is some sort of weird cross between ordinary people in uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, A Perfect World, a road movie with <clears throat> Kevin Costner and a child. Except in that case, he's. You know, he's a criminal on the run as far as it's not a story of, of vengeance, but, it, you know, it, it has that a more muted melodrama. It's, it's definitely melodramatic, but um, it, it's not quite ordinary people where we have therapy sessions. I mean, the, the therapy sessions are, you know, are learning to drive from your father. It's stuff that, you know, you... Or a lot of people may have had those experiences. <laughs> they just haven't had them out of necessity to uh, rob banks with their t- yeah. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Um So, yeah, I, I think that this is one. And I didn't really think about this before. And I, I wonder if you have. Uh, you're better at this than me. But um do you feel like, you know, are we doing more of a service to, to, to comp books and film? Because now, like these came right around the time period, like Spider-Man came out uh, the same summer as road to perdition. And those would be the movies for what we're trying to do, where you would say, okay, this is counter to a comic book movie. And really it was just Spider-Man and really, I would say the Tim Burton Batmans, but that was a decade prior. It feels like these are more necessary now, as far as letting people know, this is what comic books can be because in this time period, it's just going to be uh, the MCU or whatever DC's doing, and even when you have something that I believe was based off of—I don't know if it was Vertigo, um, the Boys on Amazon, the Garth Ennis adaptation—that's oh, that's right. been very successful. But it's still playing with the ideas of superheroes. They're just saying this is the adults only version. So it's more akin to to a Watchman. Uh what's a can you think of a more recent one uh that was a comic book adaptation that got some acclaim for bringing – uh you know, I don't want to say more serious fare, but maybe more grounded uh affair to the to the silver screen. I can't I can't really think of one. I mean Scott Pilgrim comes to mind, but there is nothing grounded <laughs> about Sir Scott Pilgrim. Look, our first failure on Trilogy in Theory was the Michael Sarah month. We can't go back (laughs) (laughs) to Sarah. (laughs) He's banned from the show. (laughs) He's killing our numbers. Except for Juno. And that was all Ellen Page. That had to be Ellen Page, possibly Diablo Cody, Jason Reitman. We may go back to them. Sarah, you're off the show. Off of it. And even that was 10 years ago. Scott Pilgrim. So I've got one. It was a failure. (laughs) Uh, i had to google it i'm not saying this just came to me uh the kitchen with uh, melissa mccarthy uh, tiffany haddish and elizabeth moss that was based on a comic book um i don't think that's going to win our argument like our (laughs) early 2000s run that we have here that's like this is what comic books can be when you adapt them correctly on film
0: no and that one actually didn't even that one didn't even
1: look very good you know google it's just proving my case i just like i just do the little scroll to the side through the images superhero 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 like you know it's. i just wonder if uh the battle has been lost as far as as far as that goes uh of getting something non superhero related uh as far as it you know would they run from the idea of being a comic book movie now because that's so defined by marvel success
0: and if it's not marketable If it's, oh, excuse me, if you can't make like a toy line out of it. Like, as much as I want to have that Harvey P. Carr like action figure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. 30 Days of Night, Art School Confidential, I suppose, Barbed Wire. Like, none of this is recent and none of these are very good. (laughs) What Webb is really saying here is that when he came up with this
1: concept for this month, uh, it was really easy for him to pick out the three. Like.
0: <laughs> oh, you know what? What about comic books in like the TV medium? Something like uh, Riverdale. Ultimately, that's maybe not the classic Archie. I haven't kept up on my Archie reading, but have you kept up on Riverdale? <laughs> no, <laughs> Is not that a show that you watch. Okay, <laughs> not at all. And, I mean, if you count Hellboy as a superhero, maybe that's the most not... I mean, and I I would argue that Hellboy and Hellboy 2, the del Toro ones, are successful because I don't know how much money they made. I can't believe Hellboy 2 was uh, greenlit. I'm not a huge fan of either of them, and that's probably going to get... Just another thing on the list of things that will get me banned from film Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you have to do a lot
1: to get banned from Twitter, as we've seen from... (laughs) Many of the alt riot, they're still going right away, plugging their nonsense. So I would hope Twitter would not make an example out of you for not liking Hellboy (laughs) Wart.
0: I'm really happy with this trilogy. Uh, I I hope that it, (laughs) I hope this specific podcast episode is enough to get those those, those Hollywood tycoons to take a look at some of these (laughs) underappreciated, Harvey-winning, Eisner-winning graphic novels. Stuff like Blankets. Have you ever read Blankets? It would be a difficult feature film adaptation, at least
1: in the 2020 world. Um, Could I see, like, you know, I think most of them, because I see so many artists that were like, I'd love for my work to go to HBO. And it's like, that used to mean like prestige, (laughs) like like, these people have taste. I don't know if that's the case. in you know, the HBO Max days where they're, they're trying to become Netflix. I could certainly see it as a miniseries possibly having, cause that's a, from what I remember, that's a pretty big book. You need some room to to breathe and uh, you need some time with the the characters on on that one. Uh, But that would be. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, who's the poor bastard that did the uh, Goldfinch adaptation? That hugely successful novel, that sort of sprawling novel. Uh, I think it's the director of Brooklyn <laughs> and the movie comes out. <laughs> it's like people could not wait to to punch him in the throat for, for daring to do the Goldfinch. It's
0: <laughs> like a two hour movie. It's, yeah, I just. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I, it all just came rushing to me.
1: I would, uh, I would bet that it would go in that direction. Web, if if someone decided we're going to do blankets a feature film, it would be web. <laughs> <laughs> Hate tweeting some <laughs> filmmaker trying to bring this thing that you asked for, and you'd be like, no, no, no,
0: you fucked it up. Well, you know what? Away with you. You bring up a really good point, in that. Do we even need adaptations of certain material, like Blankets? And and actually, Craig Thompson's follow-up to that was Habibi, which is bizarre and wonderful and weird, and I don't recommend it to everybody. But uh, something like uh, Brian O'Malley, after he did Scott Pilgrim, he did a book called Seconds, which is also really, really great, and, and hardcore character study in kind of a supernatural setting. Really, really great. I don't need an adaptation of that blankets really i can offer those as comic books to somebody else and maybe that's enough for them to get it why must these wonderful works why do they have to be on a screen for people to pay attention why can't i Uh, give them these books
1: this doesn't apply in 2020 it may not apply in 2021 it's got to be the shared experience right because when as you were talking i like Initially, I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, because there's some stuff I'm like, it's it's fine. It's fine the way it is. It's fine like that it's just in my uh, headspace, that it was like a personal thing. It's like, I feel that way more with music than anything else, actually. Like, I don't really push the type of music I listen to with other people, because there's almost something, like, a little too personal. Like, this is, you know, it's just for me. Um, I don't feel that way with movies, and I don't know why. <laughs> why I'm so fucking pushy with movies with this other art form, but... It has to be that I'm just trained that this is something you share together with other people. And I don't feel that way necessarily with, with books. Now, there are some that I've been like, hey, you should read this, but not as often as it comes uh, to movies. And uh, the best example I could think of as you were talking was uh, L.A. Confidential. If I had read L.A. Confidential before the film came out, I would be like James Elroy himself, where I'm like, I, I've i written something that can't be turned into a feature film. And that was the goddamn point of it. <laughs> like, I wanted to write something that could just exist as a book. Going back to the Frank Miller interview on the that Daredevil DVD that I cherish, and I'm I'm one of uh, a few, not even Ben Affleck or his family cherish those DVDs like I do. Uh, but L.A. Confidential gives you a very different uh, cinematic experience than what you would get from a novel, and yet they're both uh true to what the author's intents were even with all the changes and all the the, the cuts they had to make to
0: get down and
1: uh we should really talk about la confidential someday web i think so Maybe
0: we will. i think we'll. i think we will find the time right on i think this trilogy was absolutely as you said a runaway success um and i look forward to our next one and i think we'll transition very uh very smoothly into the next trilogy more comics more nerds <laughs> <shit> yes <coming>. <laughs> yes <laughs>
2: What I'm after, when I draw my pictures, is I'm after your, your guts. I, I want you to feel something. I don't want you to like me necessarily. It's like the same with my characters. And, and what I'm after when I draw is, is evocation. It's, it's not pretty. I love beauty. I don't care about pretty. And in comics, you can't waste time. Comics exist in time. The reader is moving through time. It's, it's not gallery work, and so and so, you have to know how to produce it expeditiously, because that's where comics gain their energy. That's what makes them sexy. That's what makes them fun. Is that they, they they don't slow down, in in, in an artistic sense. Everything is narrative. What's done by the hand in, in, in comics, is something that movies cannot approach. We've felt so long like we were um, like, you know, the retarded little bastard nephew of media that we've forgotten that we're better at certain things than they are. And, And then, yeah, movies, movies are much better at a bunch of things. Movies are much more powerful. Movies control pace. A cartoonist has to be really smart to slow you down. A filmmaker just has to leave the camera where it is for a long time. And, and, and it's, it's a different set of virtues and, 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 and weaknesses. So yeah, I came, I came in wanting to make comics more cinematic. I stay in wanting to make them less so.